Hi. Hey. What's up? How you doing? We're your guides for this entirely teen-designed audio tour. Frankie, Soha, Leia, and Sasha. We are teen advisory board members at the De Young Museum. While going through the exhibit, we found some core themes we think are important to highlight. Social media, the top vessel to communicate our identity, ideas, and connect with people of diverse backgrounds. Global exchange shows how fashion creates common ground for people of all backgrounds. Modest fashion, which is a combination of highly stylish dress with varying degrees of body covering. And individual expression in this exhibit explores how the platform of fashion can be used as a way to express your individual identity. Throughout this exhibit, keep these themes in mind and think about yourself. How do they resonate with you? How can these artists inspire you to express yourself creatively? We look forward to hanging out with you and learning all about our favorite pieces. A note to our listeners. Though commonly mispronounced in the media as Muslim, the appropriate pronunciation of the term is Muslim. You're looking at Greater Than Fear by Shepard Fairey, and here's a poem from our very own Soha and Ayodele. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Words taught in every kindergarten classroom. Hand over your heart for a country that's forgotten how to love. Pledge from your soul to a country that has forgotten how to hope. Land of the free and, and home of the brave. Land of the fear and, and home, home of the slaves. Slave to your master to a prejudiced agenda. It's easy to hate someone you don't know. It's, it's easy, easy to, to hate someone you don't know. know. Promises have been made but haven't been kept. We, we are, are promised change. change that justice will be served. And we have yet to see either, either of those things, things come, come to pass. pass and and yet, yet people don't understand our anger. Or why it seems to grow like an unpaid debt. An emotional trigger which reminds of us. Of the promises that weren't kept. And, and the, the scarf, scarf on our head, head which they just can't seem to forget. If you think I'm a threat. You should turn off the news stations and introduce yourself. Instead, instead of, of judging a person who you've never met. Most people put ample thought towards what they wear before they venture into the outside world. Our style sends a distinct message about us. Our style hints towards our true identity. This piece gives us a glimpse into the contemporary street style of Iranian women and documents their personal style. Hey, I'm Leia, and I'm here with Sasha, and we're looking at Tehran street style by Hedda Katebi. So what do you think their style says about their identity? Well, first of all, you could take a look at the title of the piece, which is Tehran street style. So one can assume that these are two Iranian women in Tehran, Iran. Just a little bit of background, there's a mandatory dress code in Iran, which, you know, women have to cover their hair and dress sort of, you know, with their um, limbs and, and all covered and wearing loose clothing. These women, however, have interpreted that dress code very liberally as, you know, they are wearing, you know, jeans, which are, you know, tight fitting and Converse shoes, which is actually pretty interesting because those are two, you know, iconic Western staples. Also, their hair is sort of exposed, and the woman to the left is um, has blue hair, uh, which is, you know, a little bit um, more rebellious in such a conservative country. But either way, they have these um, unique interpretations of the dress code. They're still able to express themselves through this fashion. Yeah, I mean, something I noticed right off the bat is that they kind of look like what American people would call scene kids. <laughs> they look like typical kids, you know? I didn't notice that they were actually covering. Yeah, and actually something really interesting about the whole street fashion thing is because they can continue to, you know, 
look like the average teen because they're essentially using street fashion as a platform to express themselves through the colored clothing and the texture and the different layers. These women are decorating themselves and there's this really raw element to the street style which makes it unique. Um, so the, these girls, even with their restrictions, they're able to make a statement through what they're wearing. Yeah, and I think a little bit of background on street style is that it's street style is unique to location. You won't see the same type of street style as you would in America versus Iran or Korea, and it's culturally diverse. Um, it typically has like a very casual vibe to it with elements that make or invoke a sense of high fashion, which Huda Katebi aimed to capture in her self-published book, Tehran Street Style. Her goal was to document and celebrate the lives of contemporary Muslims without a Western audience in mind. She aims to depict women, Tehran street style in particular, with vibrant colors, patterns, and textures that Iranian women incorporate into their everyday wardrobe. Yeah, and um, you know something actually really interesting about how these women dress—it's actually related to Iranian uh, history. You know, there was a revolution in Iran in 1979, and. As a result, there was this burnt generation, which, you know, existed through the period before, during and after the revolution, where they experienced, you know, a time where there was no dress code, where, you know, there were more freedoms in Iran. And then um, they also experienced afterwards where there was more religious law and, you know, women had to cover up and, you know, so... There's this burn generation fuses with this modern day, they call themselves the blue generation, which actually were responsible for, you know, the recent protests in Iran where women would, you know, take off their scarves in public and, you know, um, hold them up in front of everybody. So this old generation, you know, the burn generation fuses with this new generation of advocates in the blue generation. And this really creates this point where fashion connects these two time periods and allows people to... Uh, use it as a means to defy and also to express. And Hedda found a really cool way to incorporate the historical aspect in her artwork by capturing young women who are using their fashion as a form of rebellion, like you said. But on a real note, what if your government threatened to punish you for wearing your favorite outfit? Doha Film Institute CEO Fatma Al-Ramahi sported this luxurious gold and black trimmed abaya on the 2018 Oscar red carpet. This eye-catching ensemble, glowing with elegance and detail, has the beauty and grandeur to turn heads like many other gowns on the red carpet that night. But did you see this photo on any celebrity gossip columns? Or did it just get lost in the vast sea of couture gowns? This garment is an abaya, a long, loose-fitting robe primarily worn by Muslim women. Abayas have made their way to runways, red carpets, and the high fashion scene, but they have been present in the daily lives of Muslim women for centuries. Hi, my name is Soha Manzoor, and I'm 15 years old. Hey Soha, how often do you wear the abaya? I don't wear the abaya that often, only usually in religious settings. I find it to be really convenient for when I can't be bothered to put together a full outfit, as you can literally throw an abaya on over any clothes. Oh, where do you wear it? Is it reserved for special occasions? I generally wear it to the mosque or to religious classes. I personally don't wear it for special occasions, but there are fancier ones that can be worn to celebrations, like the gown you see in front of you. 
My favorite time to wear the abaya is in Ramadan because we spend almost all our evenings in the mosque. Are there any differences in the types of abayas one can wear? Yes, just like any other type of gown, abayas have quite a bit of variety. Besides just the high fashion ones, there are many types of simpler or more colorful abayas. Some are straight up gowns while others may tie off in the front. The only rule is a loose fitting, modest shape. The abaya is as common as that dress you bought at Target last week. لا يصدر الكون غريسو أي قانون خاصة بإقامة دينة من الأديان أو يمنع حرية ممارسته أو يحد من حرية التعبير أو حرية الصحافة أو حق الناس في التجمع السلامي وتقديم التماسي إلى الحكومة للتصحيح المظالم Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. bomber jacket you see in front of you is more than just a warm item for the winter. It's been made to military-grade flight jacket standards to make a statement. For this designer, fashion is more than an art. It's a political and social statement. Yeah. Created by designer Celine Simon in response to the Muslim ban, she stated, It really impacted me, and I wanted to do something about it. The Muslim ban was a policy set in place in January 2017 by our current government. It prevents peoples from seven Muslim-majority countries, including Syria and Yemen, from coming into America and settling. The jacket itself has the U.S. Constitution written in Arabic and English. The portion of the Constitution is the First Amendment, which grants Americans the rights to the freedom of speech, religion, and more basic rights. These values are what our country was founded on. Printing it on the jacket makes a powerful statement about the ban. The Arabic symbolizes the official language of many of the banned countries, and the English symbolizes the American dream. Altogether, the jacket is more than just a bomber jacket that one might wear on a cold day. How do you feel about fashion that makes a social or political statement? How do you think the artist managed to pair activism and fashion? Consider what you wear when you play sports. Have you ever had to worry about availability when shopping for shorts or a tank top? For many Muslim women, this is a real concern. As an athlete who wants to cover, it may be challenging to find loose-fitting athletic wear. This issue prompted smaller, Muslim-owned brands, such as Moda Nisa, to create sports-friendly hijabs. In December of 2017, Nike released their pro hijab, designed for Muslim women athletes. Nike definitely took a step forward by bringing this hijab into the mainstream modest sportswear industry, but by releasing this, they are not enabling Muslim women to play sports for the first time. It is not something brand new, and well-known athletes such as Ibtihaj Muhammad and Bilqis Abdul Qadir have been playing sports long before Nike took this initiative. 
Ibtihaj Muhammad stated that, People are always shocked to hear I'm an athlete by profession and even more shocked when they hear I'm a fencer from the United States. I challenge the stereotype that Muslim women are oppressed and that a Muslim can be American by birth. It's amazing how many assumptions people make, but I embrace the opportunity to use this Olympic platform to educate. The pro-hijab being released did not necessarily ease stereotyping of Muslim women athletes. However, the pro-hijab helps to bring visibility to the needs of Muslim women athletes in addition to countering certain rules that may prevent them from wearing the hijab. Major sports leagues may say it violates their safety codes to wear hijab in play, but Nike bringing this forward helps to normalize the hijab in sports. Considering all of this, do you feel like you would wear the pro hijab if you were a Muslim woman athlete? What other challenges do you think Muslim women in sports face? Muslim hipsters. The term refers to young Muslims around the world who hold evolving views on the intersections of religion, community, politics, culture, and Muslim identities. Self-identifying skater girl and practicing Muslim, Layla Shakely, is prominently featured in this viral music video. She and a group of established women consisting of attorneys, motorbike riders, and even U.S. Olympian Ibtihaj Muhammad are pictured skateboarding, fencing, dancing, and running in the streets of New York. Discussing the video in an interview with Vox, Shakely states, The mainstream view is so misrepresentative of so many young Muslim Americans. They were generally represented in one way, instead of an amalgamation of many identities. Shakely herself, a post-9-11 millennial who has chosen to wear the hijab, challenges the confines of the one-dimensional feminine woman, and rather identifies herself as an artist and a skater girl, somebody in tech, but also a faithful Muslim. After the video was released, Though many Muslim Americans did not resonate with this portrayal of their identity, Shakely challenged her critics. Nothing represents you right now, which is why you have to take control of your narrative and make something that represents you. So ask yourself, how do you forge your identity? Hey, it's Leia, and I'm here with Frankie. Hi, this is Frankie. This piece is actually a collaboration between the amazing photographer Langston Hughes and thriving social media influencer and fashion designer Dion Palangi. So Frankie, what do you notice in this photo? So actually, the very first thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that Dion is actually wearing ripped jeans, which I think is kind of cool because for me personally, when I think of modest fashion, I wouldn't think of something like ripped jeans, which shows a little bit of skin. I think it just really goes to show that modest fashion can be defined in a multitude of ways by different people. Exactly. I mean, a common look in street style is ripped or distressed jeans, like oftentimes having one entire side being bleached. Yeah, definitely. This photo, too, kind of just looks like a normal street style type post that I just scroll through on Instagram. Um, it looks pretty candid, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about this photo is that it's taken by professional photographer Langston Hughes, who is an American photographer and actually converted to Islam. 
He has a whole book dedicated to this modest street style look. Um, his book is titled Modest Street Style or Street Fashion, where he photographed over 400 people while traveling the world. The people photographed in his photo book really showed how they mixed Eastern and Western fashion, just like the photo here. And Polanji specifically defined her style as a fusion of Eastern and Western fashion. Yeah, I totally agree with that statement. I can see how Dion's style is both a fusion of Western and Eastern fashion, um, because in this photo itself, you can see that there's the Western element with the ripped jeans. But she also incorporates the traditional Indonesian patterns in her top as well. And Polanji actually utilizes traditional Indonesian fabrics, um, specifically with gold threading in many of her other designs and in many of her other works that are featured in this exhibit as well. Something that I also think is really interesting is the fact that she's an Indonesian Muslim fashion designer, because normally the stereotype with the Muslim is that they come from the Middle East. So the fact that she's Indonesian kind of breaks the stereotype of what a Muslim should look like or who a Muslim should be. So it just goes to show that race and religion aren't directly tied. Yeah, like you said, Dion Palangi is Indonesian and a huge social media influencer that has used her platform to do some pretty amazing things. She's connected with audiences of all backgrounds. She has 4.8 million, with an M, Instagram followers. Wow, that's, that's a big number. <laughs> <laughs> and through her success, she's breaking down the stereotypes associated with Muslim fashion and offering alternatives for those who are interested in fashion and modest fashion specifically. And at just 26 years old, she presented in the 2017 New York Fashion Week. That's amazing. Imagine what you can accomplish by 26. In the words of Dion Palangi, celebrate the real you. Be an inspiration, not an imitation. What if you couldn't find the right outfit for work? For Carmen Muhammad, this was a real issue. That's why she decided to create a clothing line with modest power suits. This blue ensemble is an example of one of her power suits. Her line is titled Al Nisa, or The Woman in English, and has been featured in Italy's Torino Fashion Week. Muhammad is a member of the Nation of Islam. Founded in 1930, the Nation of Islam is an African-American movement and organization that combines elements of traditional Islam with black nationalist ideas. Muhammad's clothing line is distinctly connected to the Nation of Islam. However, as a businesswoman, Muhammad saw the lack of powerful, modest, feminine suits that she and others needed in the professional world. So she did what any excellent businesswoman would do and created her own line. What purpose do you think her line serves for businesswomen in the Nation of Islam? I think the suits have transcended boundaries and connected powerful women of all faiths and ethnic backgrounds. Hi, I'm Soha, and I'm back with Frankie, Sasha, and Leah. And we're going to be discussing this piece by Noor Zara. Right off the bat, something that I thought was super dope about this piece is that the company brand focuses on sustainable manufacturing of their goods, which is super important. Finding an alternative method of 
dyeing clothes, which is better for the environment, or using a certain type of fabric. I appreciate brands like that because as we continue to harm our planet, at least there's a little bit of pushback and people trying to better off the planet. I think it's also really awesome that this brand is sustainable because a lot of times the fast fashion industry will try to cater to people's want for something trendy or very high fashion. And by doing that, they feel as though they need to produce things really, really quickly and they compromise things like quality and they exploit people in third world countries. This is a very like high fashion piece and it's very beautiful, but it was made ethically and sustainably. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is like a super important point to make that it's sustainable. And while this outfit is, isn't is really something that you might see me or anybody else on the street wearing, I think it sends an amazing message to other high-end brands, even in other countries besides Indonesia, that it is possible to create an amazing high fashion brand that makes high fashion pieces and still is ethical and follows morals that we should all be abiding by when it comes to purchasing clothes. This brand really does set an example for other brands, um, especially the con- like contemporary high fashion brands. You know, to see this really unique take on a you know traditional hijab is actually pretty refreshing, especially because it's so you know environmentally conscious in its production. It's also really androgynous. Um, you can't really tell if the model is a male or a female, so it caters to both sexes. It's all. It's all gender inclusive. The rich colors and like the amount of like the blues and like different types of blues and the patterns, it all adds to like this aura of this outfit, which is like, it's so amazing to look at. I think it's amazing to have such quality in the color because it's all from like plants. Yeah. Another thing I think that really just sort of catches your eye when you first look at this piece is all the patterns and um, you know, the variety, the polka dots, the, you know, the stripes. And I think the use of these patterns does remind you of, you know, traditional Islamic art, uh, you know, the sort of patterns that you notice in mosques and things like that. I'd wear this piece to like a costume party, not in a disrespectful way, but because it's so out there and original and fresh that everyone's gonna be like, oh, like, what are you dressed as? And I'm like, I don't know, just something cool, you know, <laughs> something beautiful, something beautiful. <laughs> I think I might wear it to like New York Fashion Week, maybe. Oh, true, true. I like to be super different. So I, I would say I'd wear it to school. Nice, Why not? Nice. And be like, what of it? So <laughs> if you wore it to school, I would support you. Thank you. Uh, me too. Yes. What makes you feel powerful? In an alley on the living, breathing streets of Marrakesh, Morocco, three women, vibrantly clad in faux designer prints, pose nonchalantly on their vintage motorbikes, a standard means of transportation in their everyday lives. The artist behind the camera, Self-taught photographer Hassan Hajaj has pioneered the portrayal of Moroccan women through his art. Anyone can take a pretty picture, but my work is always about the story and the people. As you look at this image, what story does it tell? Hajaj captures a unique in-between world in his photographs, a cultural fusion point of Eastern and Western cultures, of traditional and high-end fashion. Through his compositions, 
these Moroccan women claim their multicultural identities and express their empowerment. We've asked a couple of people to share their initial responses to the photograph. You know, what really struck me was the title of the series, Kesh Angels. Angels exist in between heaven and earth, and these women exist between these two different cultures. It's something interesting to think about. It makes you wonder. A word that comes to my mind is powerful. Yeah, these women look powerful. Reminiscent of pop art, which questioned our roles in consumer culture, Hajaja's work speaks through primary colors and imitation designer fabrics, paired with quirky frames constructed of everyday objects such as soup cans, Legos, soda cans, and boxes of chicken stock. Many have interpreted the juxtaposition of such mundane objects with cultural photographs to be a commentary on the substantial presence of Western consumerism in modern Morocco. His art not only transcends culture, it also connects us to the religious roots of Morocco, as the use of repetition and patterns in Hajjaj's creations remind us of geometric patterns in traditional Islamic art. When asked about his creative process during an interview, Hajjaj answered, I am proud that it has that element of strength for the women because that is important. But you know, obviously, the women I was taking pictures of, they already had a certain strength for me to take pictures of them. I was thinking, these are amazing women that I'm working with. They have the strength already. Hajjaj's art poses the question, are we as individuals aware of our inner strength? harem, a household system that separated women from men to whom they were not closely related. Look at artist Lala Asayidi's photograph, harem number eight. What colors do you notice? Do you notice the woman? What is she wearing? Why do you think the woman is placed at the center of the photograph? Orientalism is the appropriation or imitation of Eastern culture by the Western world. Throughout history, it has influenced Western artwork, which renders and enforces some of the romanticized stereotypes of the East that exist today. As Saidi uses the harem in her photographs to comment on Orientalism in the West, as well as the eroticized Western depiction of Arab women in artwork and media, which often includes fantasies of over-sexualized and subservient women in harems. The use of the harem in her photographs also challenges the normalized idea of women being portrayed through the male lens for male pleasure. Esaidi redefines the perception of women through her artwork by providing an authentic representation of women by a woman. Some of Esaidi's other photographs, such as Les Femmes du Maroc, also featured in this exhibit, include calligraphy. Esaidi covers her female models and their surroundings with Arabic calligraphy, scribed with henna dye. By utilizing henna, an art form traditionally reserved for women, to create calligraphy, an art form traditionally reserved for men, Asaidi creates a powerful vessel to reclaim the female voice. Asaidi captures the complexity of identity and presentation in this quote. In my art, I wish to present myself through multiple lenses. As artist, Moroccan, as traditionalist, as liberal, as Muslim. Through which lenses do others view you? Through which lenses do you view and represent yourself?
So, what did you think? What was your favorite piece? What did you learn? Who would you bring along? That's it for us. Thank you for hanging out with us and being open-minded on this journey. This conversation won't end here. Continue the conversation. Continue to use your voice to impact the world. To hear more teen-created content about contemporary Muslim fashion and hear from Muslim youth, check out our community podcast on the D. Young Museum website. We'd like to thank all of the people that contributed to this project. We, we are Sasha, Leia, Soha, and Frankie. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs>